Hi, this is Laura Mullally from Maritime Glutton, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in your business. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 297. Today, Lauren and I are going to have a super fun conversation about diversifying your income stream while building important skills as a food blogger. Lauren has been a food blogger for a year and a half and a photographer for about six months. When she began her food blogging journey, she was partially through earning a business degree. Lauren landed a marketing job for the government because of her unofficial skill set built while food blogging, so food photography, SEO, marketing, content planning, etc., Building a skill set to support her blog allowed her to monetize from multiple income streams while becoming an expert in these fields. Super excited for our chat, Lauren, but first we want to hear your fun fact. So um, my typical fun fact I always use is that I only have one kidney. So that's a little different. Okay, so my son was born with one kidney as well. And I don't know, I feel like I had another guest that shared that. But other than that, I've never met anyone who shared that. And it's extremely rare, correct? Yeah, it was. So I was born with two, but it was um, like not highly developed. It was really small. Um, So they took it out just as like a preventative step. So now there's only one. Because when you have one, the one compensates for both. And like every time we have Elijah's kidney checked, they're always like, wow, it's so big and it's so just efficient. And like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like it just, it learns to do the work for two. Which is really cool. They say eventually like it can um, deteriorate a bit, but it's usually like way down. Um, so I've had only one for 24 years and, um, it's at 98% capacity still. So we're doing good. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's awesome. I love that. I love that you're doing great too. Uh, Well, I am so excited to talk about this because I think this is a really relevant topic right now. Um, like as we were talking about a little bit, food blogging is a really long game and, There's so much time to develop your skills as a food blogger, and there are so many skills to hone in on, right? So you have taken this as kind of an opportunity to lean into developing skills and using them in other ways, which I think is so cool and super efficient, kind of like your kidney. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you learned from it. Um, So I would love to hear from you just like how long of a game is this? Yeah, I think... um a lot of it kind of comes from um, like, you know, you look at the success stories of people who, you know, made it after like six months or even a year that they're making more than their day job. And I think a lot of people, um, especially if they're, you know, selling courses or um, there's kind of um, some other motives in there, kind of downplay how easy it can be, um, which is not. (laughs) And I think um, it's like when you look at it from, a view of, you know, I don't have to be earning six figures right away. I don't need to make this, um, 
like my full-time job, I think it kind of allows you to think about things um, more strategically and you get to do things at your own pace without feeling pressure or without um, losing kind of that ambition in the, the passion that started you off. So I think if you kind of dial in your time and you really focus on learning and providing good content, it helps the the very long game feel a little bit more um, attainable and a bit more enjoyable. So I believe that your mindset, especially when you're going into it today, really matters because if you do have the mindset that I'm going to go in, I'm going to be one of those food bloggers who just kills it and I'm going to make six figures within a year, you're likely to be disappointed. Yeah. But you're saying like develop a whole different mindset that doesn't focus on those things and you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same attitude I take for a lot of things in my life is just that you need to go in with an open mind and not without expectations, but with flexible expectations. Um, I think everything is cheesy, but everything really is about the journey. Um, and if you're just rushing and rushing and rushing to get to, you know, some kind of an outcome that you've um, kind of put on a pedestal in your mind, I think it takes away a lot of the fun um, because it can be fun. Food blogging can be really fun, um, even though it is hard work. But when you um, you look at things as a goal or, you know, you're just looking for means to an end, it takes away a lot of the creativity and the passion and honestly, the innovation, like if you're only looking to rank and you're only looking for money and you're only looking for sponsors, I think you kind of end up losing out on a lot of opportunities to actually grow um, and enjoy what you're doing. Well, and then you miss the magic of what's actually happening. It's like life. If you go through life that way, just focusing on numbers and um, things like that, then you miss out on what's actually around you, the creativity and the people and the experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's important, you know, you do want to have goals for yourself and you do want to be ambitious, but I think it's just about balancing um, an expectation of immediate or even eventual success with, you know, this is just something I really like and I would be doing it even if, you know, I didn't make a huge profit from it. You know, if I never made a big, would I still do this? And if the answer is no, then maybe, you know, you shouldn't be doing it at all. Mm, that's a really good point. So I think we should all ask ourselves that because there's a lot of overwhelm in this space right now and a lot of frustration. So just take a moment, take a beat to ask yourself that, like, would I be doing this? Yeah, I think that's like so simple, but so powerful. And it's it gives you a lot of room too when you know, you have a realistic expectation of this being hard or a lot of work to, you know, it pushes you to invest into the right things, into education, into, um, you know, like a good workflow, into um, just aspects that are going to really, um, I guess, push up your experience versus just kind of really quickly accelerate you. Like if you're paying for ads or if you're paying for um, you know, the opportunity to have online exposure, you know, stuff like that maybe immediately will um, propel you, but it's not going to give you a really good base. Mm, that's good. So you mentioned investing. How do you know where to start investing and where to put your energies first? My goodness, it's a good question. I think a lot of it is trial and error. Um, but at the beginning, um, 
my everything I do, I like to do a lot of research and I like to make sure that um, my decisions have a lot of um, backing to them. So when I first started, I don't even know how I found it, but I did find Food Blogger Central, which is a, an amazing free resource of not only um, all the experts, but people who are in the exact same boat as you. Um, so I asked a lot of questions, like so many questions. Um, and then I kind of started looking at what I was told that I need to focus on. So um, good photography and SEO and proper writing. And then also, you know, like organic strategies to build um, your social profiles and your, your views organically. And each one, I would spend time looking at, you know, where is the best place that I can put my money? Not even the cheapest, but you know, like what course is seen as the best or who is seen as an expert? And one at a time, just kind of dialing into that and putting money into that. Um, I think photography, I'm obviously biased, but I think photography is a good place to start. Um, because even if you have great SEO or you have a big social media following or you know the right tactics, I think it's pretty visual. You want to invest in photography and take it a step further, which I haven't done yet, but um, video is huge right now. So people should invest in that as well. And then SEO obviously is important as well. So just finding that source that people are trusting as a whole and digging into SEO, do you find that important too? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd been doing, I'd listened to every single um, uh, SEO for publishers um, webinar. And then I think at about the 10th or 11th episode, I had reached out to Casey Markey from MediaWise. And I was like, I know that I'm early. I know that, you know, I don't have a huge base or a huge following or a huge amount of traffic, but I just want to set myself up with the correct foundation because I'm busy as we all are. I just wanted to make sure that I had that framework to build off of in the future. So I wouldn't be wasting my time. Um, you know, maybe it's not for everyone to spend that much money early on, but I'm very thankful that I did it because it gave me a framework for how I can build out all of my posts in the future to have them um, have their best shot. And it also helps me, you know, with other aspects of photography business I have, how I can take that knowledge and apply SEO to local markets as well, which is super, you know, it's good for everything you'll take on. SEO is the most important thing, I think. Well, I can tell you that you were very smart to build that solid framework in the beginning because I did yeah. not. And I had like nearly a thousand uh, posts to go through. And I, I mean, it's been like a years of going through my, my content so I wish that I had done that at the beginning. Now, granted, when I started, there was no like um, framework. There was nothing like nothing was established at that point. But still, like I ignored it for many years along the journey. So I say invest early if you can. I mean, if it's feasible, it's not going to be feasible for everyone. I totally get that. But if it is, it's such a wise investment so I love that you did that and you set yourself up for success. And it's, I honestly think it's one of the most important things is education. Um, but, you know, if you don't have the money to do it, there are so many free resources. You know, there's the eBlog Talk podcast for one, um, all of the webinars. There's so many um, YouTube videos, YouTube channels, even, um, you know, audio books or books in general. Anything you can find to get your hands on, take in all the information you can. 
Um, and I've found, honestly, most people in this space are really helpful. Um, most people want to see other people win. And, you know, they're very open to helping too. So just ask questions and make those connections because that is worth its weight in gold for sure. And find though, if you don't see those people who want to help you win or support you, find them because they are there. And yeah, this can be a really, really supportive space. And I love that you touched on the free resources because, oh my gosh, I feel like you could build a really good thriving business just off of free resources. There's so much out there. If you just take the time to look for exactly what you need, oh my goodness, like this podcast alone, you can build a business on, I believe, and then go to YouTube. And I mean, there's so much. I think, you know, there's certain people who maybe need something a little bit more concrete. I'm one of those people. I need a lot of um, directional help. Um, I have a tough time looking at something without the whole picture. So I find that's where those paid resources come in, having kind of like a a timeline of, you know, do this and then do this and then do this. Um, But for everyone else who can think a little bit less holistically, I think the free resources are more than enough than anyone could ever need. Right. There's so much there. So once you hone in on some skills that you want to develop, say it's um, photography to begin, and then you dig into SEO, how do you work in productivity in there? Because if you're not productive with it, it can become a mess quickly. (laughs) So give us your thoughts on that. It definitely can. Um, I, at the beginning of this year, maybe the end of 2021, I'd read Atomic Habits, and I know that's been mentioned quite a few times in your podcast, but it's a great book. book. It's so good. Um, And I feel like everybody can make use of that book um, for anything, but um, habit stacking is a huge one I find is really helpful. So if I'm, you know, if I'm walking my dog, if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm cooking dinner, um, there's an audiobook on, or there's a podcast on, or I have a YouTube video on if it's not super you know, like the visuals aren't important. Um, and I also have kind of taken that a little bit further. I used to watch a lot of like true crime, uh, true crime shows or just like TV in general. And I've kind of rethought the way that I um, take in entertainment. So I try my hardest, like if I just want to unwind, I'll put on something a bit more informational. Um, you know, maybe something that I don't need to 100% take in. But even just that subliminal nature of listening to information, I find, um, you know, it gives you a shift about relaxing versus just um, absorbing anything, you know, like casual TV. Yeah. One of my huge pet peeves is when I'm sorry if I offend anyone here, but like (laughs) when you go to someone's house and they have the TV on in the background like maybe a news channel. This is my dad, by the way. I, it drives me crazy. I always turn it off and then I come back in the room and it's back on. I'm like, dang it. But it drives me crazy because it's just like busy noise that's yeah. really negative typically and it really feeds nothing in my soul. So I prefer to either have silence or something that is, like you said, subliminally helping me on some level, or something that I can actually take in and absorb maybe while I'm just going for a walk or cleaning or making, cutting potatoes or whatever. But yeah, I am with you. I have evolved in this way as well, Lauren. So I used to do my work and then I would watch like Netflix shows on the side on my laptop while I was working on my monitor. And thinking back, I'm like, why, how, first of all, how did I do that? How did I (laughs) 
pay attention to both. Yeah. And why? Why was I taking in all that garbage? I did it all day. And now that is just not my style at all. So it's funny how we evolve. Oh, 100%. It's like, I'd rather take that time and either be fully unplugged and be with, you know, my my dog and my partner and my family. Um, or, you know, if you're going to plug in, plug in and make it um, useful and helpful. Um, I do listen if I do want something in the background while I'm doing something that I do need to focus on. Um, I listen to a lot of instrumental music, um, specifically with, um, it's so weird, but saxophone music I really love. Oh, um, I love that. And I find it really helps me, you know, if I am working on um, recipe research to just have something um, to kind of break up that monotony of it. Um, and I also will do it like I am a very detailed scheduler. I have, you know, probably seven or eight Google calendars with very specific things, including, you know, when I want recipes posted, time that I have dedicated to um, like research or just kind of like make work. Um, and it sounds so counterintuitive, but I actually schedule time to just relax and do nothing. Um, that way I don't feel like you should never feel guilty for it. But, you know, people who are really busy get it. You know, sometimes you do feel a little bit of, um, you know, working person guilt by just unplugging. And I feel like if I put it into my schedule, um, it gives me a bit more like actual permission to be like, no, like this is booked. You're good. Just take a bath. Oh my gosh. I do that as well. And it was after many years of not doing it. So I got into this habit of working all the time or just letting my work dictate my life. And so I finally had to just put my fist down and say, no, I have to carve out time for downtime. And my calendar, I kind of use as my boss. So if, do you, so if I see like, you know, you are stopping work at 5 p.m., then I listen. It is, it is a must for me because if I don't do that, things go downhill really quickly. I get so frazzled. I start sleeping worse. I mean, like everything starts getting worse in my life. So I love that you do that as well. And it really helps to create a boundary, you know, like as a business owner or somebody even who just works from home, there's very little um, clear distinction between like what is work time and what is me time. Um, And when you have it, you know, written down, this is the time to stop. This is when I'm putting things down. It really gives you again, just kind of that permission to be like, okay, well, I'm putting aside my food blogger hat and now I'm putting on my family hat. Um, And it kind of just lets you really be present in what you're doing. Versus being, you know, you're there, but you're still thinking about, you know, I could do some research right now or, you know, maybe I could just pull out my camera when I'm making dinner. And and it's just it it really helps you to kind of take away that mindset of just always being on. Yeah, it's tempting to always be working or like, oh, I could just slide in a little Instagram reel. But (laughs) you have to be you have to be strict with yourself on some level. I know that some people thrive on working in the evenings and I think that's fine. But some sort of boundaries need to be created eventually. I mean, you can do it for a time, right? And then Mm -hmm. you just, you need to set those boundaries. You need to really be able to look at your schedule and have a realistic expectation. Like I know at the end of 2021, I was like, I'm going to do two recipes a week and it's going to be great. And I did it for maybe like, you know, two weeks because I do work full time. I am a student. I have my own business outside of this. Um, so during that I was like, yeah, this is great. Like I'll do it on Sundays. It'll be awesome. And then a little bit in 
I was like, this is not fun. And I took, ended up like taking a month um, that I just wasn't posting anything because you really need to, I find from the beginning, do things slow and steady or else you're just going to completely burn out. Um, so it helps to, to plan it slower at first. Hey everyone, real quick, I want to take a moment just to tell you a little bit about Clarity. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. One of the most powerful ways bloggers are using Clarity to make their content better is through the use of projects. You can think of projects as groupings of your content that need similar updates. They help you make data-driven task lists for each of your posts. Some popular projects that bloggers are currently running with Clarity are old posts that need to be no indexed or deleted, seasonal posts that need to be refreshed or pushed to social, full revamps for old posts, broken link fixes, posts to reshoot, adding alt text, and top posts health checks. Projects are at the heart of how bloggers are using Clarity to add extra value to their blog posts to maximize their traffic. If you are interested in checking out Clarity, head to clarity.com forward slash eatblogtalk. Clarity is spelled with an I, C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash eatblogtalk to sign up for the waiting list and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash eatblogtalk or check out the resources page on eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. It's like, this has come up multiple times on this podcast over the years, but the whole story about the tortoise and the hare, there is something to that. Like you can't run out of the gates and just expect to be able to keep that pace up Mm -hmm. forever. This is like, we've, this is our whole concept of the, our whole theme of our talk is it's a long game and you can't sprint for a long, long, long time. Exactly. And it's huge. People don't get that. And I think a lot of people look at themselves as the exception, you know, like I know these other people can't do it, but you know, I have a great work ethic. I can do it. It's like, no, you actually can't. Maybe for a bit you can, but then it's going to crash and then you're going to feel guilty. So it's like the best thing you can do is just at the beginning, you know, I'll start with like one a week and then I'll touch in with myself and be, you know, like, how do I feel? Am I um, overexerting myself? Is it, do I have a lot of extra time? Could I do more? Um, But I think a lot of people will create a schedule and then realize, you know, hey, I can't stick to this, but they force themselves because it was written down. It's like, you need to be able to touch base and be like, you know, this actually isn't working for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was guilty of that for so many years. And I'm, I'm sad to say that. I mean, I was, I was one of those people that was like, I can do this. I'm Mm -hmm. different. I'm different than others. I have more stamina, more energy, more whatever. And I learned that that was not true. (laughs) Just other people hide it, you know? Um, And we hide it from ourselves a lot. I think just having that self-awareness is incredibly important. Oh, I love this. Okay, I love that you not only are tapping into different skills, but also your productivity and efficiency. You are speaking my language, Lauren. So once you find those skills that you're really good at and that you really love, what do you do with those outside of your blog? What are some more untraditional ways to utilize them? For sure, yeah. Um, So for me, um, I find you want to find what you're not only good at, but that you enjoy. So I don't love um, the, the writing part. I found that took a lot out of me, the, the recipe writing. 
because it is kind of a science um, and it's not as, you know, us creative people, it's not how we like to do it all the time. Um, but I found I really did like the photography side. So um, that was something that I ended up putting a lot more uh, money and time and um, just experience into than the other parts because I loved it. Um, so it started just with, you know, I wanted to have really good photos for the blog. And then it turned into, you know, like maybe I can use this, you know, I, I don't want to always be writing the recipes, um, but maybe I can go to restaurants. And that's when I started taking on restaurant photography, which is, you know, it can be very profitable. It can keep you really creative. Um, and it kind of lets you see things differently. I find my food photography has changed once I started seeing um, food photos outside of my kitchen or outside of a studio. When you see it in real life, it allows you to kind of bring a bit more of a storytelling aspect to your photos, which I love. Um, and I think, you know, just in general, having skills that are able to morph into other income streams are important. That was my main one. Um, but then I started doing, um, you know, just very basic. I would help businesses. This would just be for free. Um, I would, you know, give some consultations and be like, you know, maybe if you did this or changed up this, you would have a better um, call to action or maybe you'd have better conversions. And eventually um, I had applied for a job for a student position uh, doing social media management for our provincial parks. And I didn't feel qualified for it, but I got it. And then after, you know, the eight, 10 months that I was working there and the position ended, I ended up getting a job that I definitely was not qualified for on paper um, through the government as well, doing um, advertising coordination for our provincial tourism sector. Um, so just taking those skills of SEO and, you know, like time management even and photography and looking at, you know, like how can I find um, opportunities in the, the real world, I guess, as you would say, um, how can I use that to supplement my income to, you know, actually support the blog because it can't be expensive to run. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a smart way to look at it and um, approach this business. You're taking everything that we're doing already and you're just honing in on those things to make yourself better, to make yourself more appealing. So I, as you were talking, I wrote down three like main benefits that I pulled out from what you were saying. So by doing this, looking outside of the scope of food blogging, you can find something that's lucrative, so that's mm -hmm. bringing in extra money. Two, um, it's making you more well-rounded. It's shaping mm -hmm. your skills out a lot more. And three, it's also shaking things up and it's eliminating boredom. So you exactly. are never just like sitting at your computer all day, every day. Some days, yes, it's necessary. <laughs> but it's like allowing you to go out into the world and... Sh um, you know, explore your creativity there. So I love that. I love this whole way that you're perceiving this and offering it up as like just a new way to see food blogging and all the skills that you already have. So the big thing I think about these experiences, whether you're, um, you know, having contract work or just taking on a quick session, or even if you get a full-time job, kind of selfishly, you can use these things to build um, experience back for your food blog. So um, before I started these jobs, I was just working in like telecommunication sales, which, you know, it paid the bills and it wasn't exciting. 
But with this, you kind of um, are finding something specific to what your personal goal is. And you're using your skills from your own business to get that position, but then also using that position to build back those skills. So it just kind of like comes full circle. Mm, That's a great way to frame it. So you've given some examples as we've been talking, like the restaurant photography um, and a couple other things. But do you have any more examples of how we can use our many, many skills that we employ every day to branch out in other areas? For sure. Um, So a couple that either I've done or I've considered um, is, you know, you can take that knowledge of SEO and social media and you can use it to either um, do content creation for someone or you can help them with their own SEO. You can even, a lot of people do like social media management. So taking that um, more like technical side is a really fun one. Um, the other kind of thing you can do that I have done um, is offer restaurants a free shoot in exchange for um, they give you a recipe. So it's kind of like a, a partnership. The way I like to market that was, you know, I'll come in, you take, make one recipe. I'll take photos of you doing the recipe. I'll take photos of the final recipe. You can use these however you want. All I ask is that you take that, write it down instructionally, and then I will tag you. I will link to your website. And then you get this kind of like long-term um recipe traffic to your site not just from people who are local but kind of from everywhere um and that allows you to um have that a benefit to them kind of i love that idea the restaurant um photography and i like how you approach it so that you're not going in saying i want money right away because a lot of restaurants maybe don't have a budget initially for something like this but to show them the value right off the bat, then maybe they can take it back to, I don't know, the team, whoever runs the restaurant and just say like, this is really valuable. Let's pursue this, right? Mm -hmm. And even if, you know, right off the bat, all that happens is you do that recipe, maybe long-term they won't come back for recipe development, but if they have new menu items, they'll come to you like, hey, those photos were really good. Um, And you're just kind of creating that connection. Um, It's, you know, a really easy way to just meet people, get your foot in the door. Yeah, and building those relationships is huge. You never know in what capacity that will come back to you in the future. I think it's so worthwhile. Even if you're doing work for free initially, it's so worth your time because it could be an opportunity in the future. And out of all the work that I've done for free, um, you know, admittedly, I am very selective and I don't do it a ton, but none of it hasn't come back and paid off in some way which is super important. You know, you don't do it hoping or expecting that. But every time that I've done that, I've either had them make recommendations that have gotten me more clients or um, where I do lifestyle work as well. Now, um, a lot of times I'll do a food session for free and then they're like, you know what, like I need family photos done. Do you do that? Like, can you help with that? Um, And it kind of allows you to have a no pressure way of doing things. You know, like if you do take payment and maybe you're not as experienced as you want to be, it creates a lot of pressure. Um, where if you do a couple sessions for free, you can come in just very authentically yourself without any expectation um, and give a good client service because you're not focused on, you know, like I charge for this. This needs to be perfect. Yeah. Yep. And what I've noticed is that whenever I put something out there 
for free or like volunteering my time or energy in some way without expectation. I think you mentioned this too, Mm -hmm. for something to come back to me. It always does. But if I put it out there and I'm like, I want something in return, but I'm begrudgingly doing this for free. If I have that mindset, it doesn't come back to me. But if I'm like, you know what? I'm releasing this. I'm happy to give my time and energy and I do not expect anything back every single time. Something happens. Yep. And I, every single time. I think the big thing too is like when you go into it with that kind of like ulterior motive, a lot of the times you are begrudging, right? But if you come from, you know, you only take on free work with clients that really align with your values or that have a cause that you really stand behind or even, you know, you just think they're your perfect ideal client. When you come from it from that direction, even if you aren't getting paid, you want to be there. You want to be doing it. Um, And I think that is super important, you know, only take on work free or paid that um, really aligns with your values. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so you mentioned photography. So you you do some non-food sessions, which I love. Is there anything else you do to kind of utilize your skills or that you recommend? So I kind of um, photography took like a very huge turn that I wasn't really expecting. Um, I actually ended up, you know, making more with that than I do for my day job. So that's my main priority right now. Um, but for other people, you know, if you're just looking for other options, um, you can do like copywriting or blog writing, or even just plain recipe writing for other people. Um, you know, take that skill set and don't just look for food bloggers, look for any, really anything that fits with what you enjoy or what you're good at, because that's going to in turn make you a much more diverse writer and give you obviously that income. But also, um, it'll expand your skill set, which you can, you know, bring right back to your blog. Um, and a huge one, you know, so many people do is just social media management. You already do it for yourself. You already know the ins and outs. It helps you learn the algorithm. It helps you learn what works. And it also allows you to have like a big portfolio if you, you know, maybe your social media isn't super impressive, but you're managing a big client or a client with a, a higher reach than you. You can bring that back to, you know, if you're trying to get work with brands and be like, you know, look at what I'm capable of doing. Look at the work that um, has my name behind it. So as we have kind of talked about through this whole conversation, there are many, many, many skills that we are doing every day that maybe we're not even thinking about that can be marketed elsewhere that are not going only going to bring in extra money potentially, but that can also just make you a more well-rounded human and asset for other businesses and opportunities. So this is such a good way to look at it. Now, we talked about like how to start, like find those things you're good at and that you love. Um, what, like, wh- where do you look for this? You know, this is, I think this is the problem that I'm finding is that I hear food bloggers all the time say either I'm hoping to outsource or like offer this skill or I need someone to help me with this um, project or this like part of my business, but where do I go? And I never like, that's the hang up. You go into the forums, you have to be really careful on Facebook because you'll get kicked out or get in trouble. Um, there's always the Eat Blog Talk forum, which is free. I always encourage people to go there. So that is an option, but like, where else do you go? Like, how else do you get the word out? Um, personally, I like to start hyper local. Um, I find, you know, 
network in person if you can. That's the most impactful. Um, if you want to, you know, set up an iPad with um, some of your best photos or your best work, bring it with you everywhere. Bring your business cards everywhere. Um, and don't go out specifically looking, again, for a client, but introduce yourself. You know, talk about, it's cheesy, but talk about what you do whenever you can. And just, uh, I am really excited about the work that I do versus I'm trying to get you as a client. Um, the more that you put what you do out there, the more that you start to feel comfortable talking about it. And the more it really turns into, um, you know, it's not just something you offer or something you do. It becomes a part of who you are. And I find when you take your skill set and you turn it into like a personal brand, it gives you a lot of um, leverage to, you're not even trying to market. You're just talking about who you are. Um, and I find that's like the most organic way you can do it. I was just writing notes. Sorry, that was that was so well said. Take your skill set and turn it into a personal brand. I I love that. Thank you for that. Um, is there any? Oh, go ahead. It's I know huge. it is huge. And I just wanted to ask you if there's anything we forgot before we start wrapping up, like any points that you really want food bloggers to know or consider, or just anything that we left out. Um, I think. I mean, it's probably been mentioned a bit, but the biggest thing that I really want to push is don't be afraid to pivot. Um, don't be afraid of, you know, you don't need to box yourself into a category. You know, maybe you start with a particular niche or even just food blogging in general. And, you know, just because you started with that doesn't mean that's the only place you can go. Doesn't mean that's where you need to end. It's just a starting point. So if you find, you know, maybe you're the opposite, maybe you love the recipe part, um, you know, focus on that, offer that to other people. Um, and just don't be afraid to adjust your work and the things that you do to fit with what really motivates you and inspires you. This was such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much, Lauren, for all of this. I really appreciate all of your just perspectives and insights. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You are like a dream come true for an interviewer. You just are, we have a natural flow to our conversation, which I really appreciate. <laughs> Thank I you. I agree. It feels so natural. It was. It was great. Before we say goodbye, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with us? I do. Um, it's from, again, my favorite book, uh, Atomic Habits. So it's every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity, which is uh, from James Clear of Atomic Habits. I love that quote. It's one of my favorites. And I literally think about it multiple times a day because it's those little things that you do throughout the day that affect your future. And I always think, okay, if I'm going to do this, whether it's good or bad, what is my future going to be like? And then I will make like, I try to make the good decision. So I love that quote. It's so important. It's It's just about putting in those little tiny things because you're, you know, transforming who you want to become. You know, does this action, is that aligned with the person I want to be or is it taking me further away? And I think that's a super important thing. Even talking about what we just said, you know, about choosing to pivot if you have to. Is this bringing me joy or am I just doing it because I feel like I have to because I started it's like don't be afraid to stop things or put more into things 
um, if it better aligns with who you want to be. And if nothing else, it just makes you pause and think about who you do want to be, right? And giving it intentional thought and just being aware will hopefully make you alter your decisions. And I like how James Clear always talks about like you're casting a vote for your future self. That is such a good way to put that because you're not solidifying anything. You're just putting in Mm -hmm. one vote for who you are going to be in the future. I could have an entirely separate conversation with you about that alone. (laughs) Maybe we should do that. (laughs) I love that. That would be fun. Well, we'll put together show notes for you, Lauren, and you can find those at eblogtalk.com forward slash maritime glutton. I would love to hear like how you named your blog quickly. Yeah. um, (laughs) To be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, backing behind it. It started out just as an Instagram page uh, way back and it was actually called uh, Lomo Cuisine, funny enough, um, which is just like a combination of my first and last name uh, and then cuisine. And then I was like, this sounds really unprofessional. It doesn't make sense. I just need to change it. Um, and when I first started, a lot of my um, my brand, I guess, before I had a website was about talking about local um, you know, establishments, great restaurants, and also home cooking. And I live in the Maritimes in New Brunswick. Uh, in Canada. So the maritime, I wanted maritime something. And then I thought glutton was kind of like a funny play on words. Um, but now, it, you know, I mentioned before, it gets a lot of mispronunciations and people think I'm, you know, gluten free. So <laughs> I funny. had to throw in like all glutton, no punishment to be a headline uh... on my website. Because I was like, I feel like I can't make this any more clear than this. I just need to, I may have changed if I had known. Uh, how it would how it would have been taken it's a conversation starter that's what my blog is too people are always like what in the world is pip and ebby and that is a great way to start a conversation with somebody so same with you i think definitely well we know where to go to find your blog where can everyone else find you other places so social media instagram etc so all of my handles are maritime glutton i'm on um, facebook and instagram primarily um i do have a youtube channel that i've been trying to push out but i haven't yet and then I also have my non-food photography on Lauren Mullally Photography, again, on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Everyone go check Lauren out. Thank you again, Lauren, so much for being here. And thank you for listening to today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.